Hey everybody, Chris here. Just a heads up, this episode was recorded in 2018, so any references to current day are definitely outdated, but you know how we do over here. I've got a backlog of these things, and well, I've been trying to slow it down, but it's an addiction. Let's get into it. Maybe you don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form Magic and Bird. All right. You know that one? I see what you did there. Do you know that one? Yeah, I do. It's a basketball reference. Okay. It's a basketball reference. And also a hip-hop reference. Ooh, I did There is an album called Magic and Bird that's amazing if you haven't listened to it. I'll just let you guys find it. Um. <clears throat> Black guy and a white guy. Go figure. Uh, anyway, we are currently still here in Lander, Wyoming, where actually it's been it's been really fun, like the last couple of weeks, having somebody to train regularly with. That's been really fun. I don't think we've ever really trained together before. No. We pretty much just, it's whenever we climb together. Yeah. Whenever we go out uh, to the gyms. So this has been fun. Yeah, it's been super cool. And Nate just set me a a simulator for my fall uh, project or my fall attempted project, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to happen this fall, but I'm going all in on it. So oh, yeah. it'll happen eventually, um, which is Zookeeper. And we we stole some beta from videos and from Nate's own experience and put together some cool training that we'll be talking about or I'll be talking about on the Instagrams and on the, on the patron account. Um, so if you guys aren't patrons, maybe you should be, it's only going to make you stronger. I mean, when you sign up, you gain a letter grade. Facts. Yeah, totally. Undeniable. And you know, that, that sort of leads us right into what we're talking about today because abandoning training is a real thing. Like people spend so much time coming up with training plans and thinking about training and making goals and reading about training, talking about it. Yeah. Listening to podcasts all the time where two dudes just ramble on forever about it's fucking training. worst. And, and then like three weeks in there, they abandon it completely. Things come up, shit happens. And, and that's a real thing. So today we're going to talk about the top five reasons why we see people abandon their training. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's our number five, Nate? Uh, number five is... I debated this one at number five, actually, because it probably is the least common of these, but it's also the most infuriating for me. Yes. so I think it's fairly common. The reason I wanted it as number five is because I feel like it's... The, maybe the least impactful of the top five. Yeah, okay. Um, it doesn't seem to normally fully derail people's training. Yep. But it definitely throws a huge wrench in things. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, new things, new shit. 
Yeah, like, shiny new <laughs> methods show up on the Instagram. Exactly. What is Team Japan doing today? I don't know, but I want to do it. <laughs> I hear they stretch for two hours before every session. Yeah, me too. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's new training. So this could be things that are new methods you just heard about. It could be whatever someone at your gym who's now getting better has been doing. Yeah. Um, I hear they've been eating Taco Bell and drinking Mountain Dew before every session. I got way better for years eating mostly Taco Bell and McDonald's. So. Yeah. And that's correlation. You should go back to that plan. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, and I think this is like this is a big one. Like for a lot of people, a big thing with training is that you need to be able to stick it out long enough that your body benefits from it. Yeah. And so if we're constantly changing to some new hangboard method or even just using a different hangboard because it looks cool and you're like, oh, this has pockets. I want to use pockets now. Right. No one really wants to use pockets. That's uh, that's an example, folks, and it's not even a good one. <laughs> Nobody um, climbs on pockets anymore. Yeah. We filled them all in here at the Iris too, so just don't come expecting pockets. Yeah. No, it's great. They're slopers now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, are there any And times? new, like, like new hashtag science that shows up mm -hmm. all of a sudden people want to abandon everything they've learned about training because there's some new study that says this thing worked for these 10 people mm -hmm. you know and frankly that thing probably worked 10 years ago and they're just now publishing the paper but it's brand new and it's shiny and now i have to do it because hashtag science totally you know, and what's funny, and this is, there's a lot of people who say this, but really like with training, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, something Dan John talks about all the time. Um, but it's, it's true. You know, you hear about something and you're like, oh, there's this new thing where it's like, um, you know, we're seeing this and I know you don't like to believe it because we were talking about this the other day, but I think we're on the verge of seeing endurance training take over to the point to where it's detrimental again. I have to believe this isn't happening but but you might be right and actually i think it comes down to new terms in this case totally like so many things that people have been doing for a long time are just getting new names people are putting new bigger words fancier words to them calling them new and all of a sudden everybody needs to do it when they've been doing it all along mm -hmm. um that irks me quite a bit, actually, when I see that happen. And it's been happening for a couple of years now. It's it's becoming a little more common than I would like to admit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think we're definitely hitting a point in climbing to where, like, we're starting to see more research or we're starting to see more people applying research from other sports to our own. Um, and I mean, and I get it because it's like, it's nice to feel like you have, like, solid concrete answers mm -hmm. um but you know you don't want to throw everything out just because one new paper or even just like a handful of new things come out right and just because there is a new shiny method even if it works even if it's the greatest method yet doesn't mean the old methods don't work still mm -hmm. you know and if they're working for you great you know if that Keep it, doing it. Keep doing it. If yeah. it's working, if don't it fucking stop works, doing don't stop it. doing it. That's pretty much that should be the number one rule of training. In fact, that's it. We're done. Yeah. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's all the board meetings from now on. If it's working, don't stop doing it. If yeah. it's not working, change it. Yeah. No, there's mm -hmm. this uh 
classic phrase, which I think like if it's funny when I talk with people who haven't trained much, they don't get it. They're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But if you've trained a lot, it's something you fully understand. It's uh, this idea that it was working so well, I stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just like, oh, well, well, it keeps working. So maybe if I just keep adding more things yeah. to it or I do I'll something, something new. Cooler, a new. Yeah. A new cool thing. Yeah. Maybe I'll just do this with a weight vest on now and then it'll work better. Right. Um, so it's just this idea of new or more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's super common. You just reminded me of a conversation I had with someone once about bouldering with a weight vest, and he couldn't understand why, if I thought bouldering was good for climbing, why I thought him bouldering with a weight vest would not be good for his climbing. Mm-hmm. He's like, but there's more resistance. I'm like, but you, your footwork sucks already. Let's yeah. make it better instead of weighing it down. Yeah. You know? Totally. So, you know, yeah. and, and also it's, and this is kind of a, a thing with weight vest as far as, uh, so when we talk about like motor learning and like how you move, um, you know, I've heard people say, oh, it's fine if you use a weight vest because it's only for, you know, maybe an hour or 20 minutes or whatever. And so it's not a long amount of time compared to everything else. But the thing is when you add load to any movement, you're now building extra strength through that movement. So you are doing extra work to reinforce those patterns. Right. So it is not, it's not a one-to-one the same, you know, bouldering with a weight vest is not the same 10 minutes as climbing Mm. 10 minutes regularly. Like you are now building strength through those new patterns. So totally, it's a thing you have to like be aware of. Yep. This is a little bit on a tangent, but sort of along the same lines as you were just heading off on this tangent. Perfect. Um, when I was training for trans world, like in between the two seasons, Mm -hmm. I did a lot of hangboarding. I, I did a ton of work on our mirrored system wall, on you know a simulator move, on a tiny little cramp, surfing way out left. And when I got back to the route, I couldn't do the move anymore. And it took me almost a month to realize that I was owning the cramp so much that I was pulling my foot up off the hold. Hmm. And I wasn't settling on my foot anymore. I was getting to the hold every time. Just blasting past it. But my foot would would pick off mm. every single time. Yeah. Whereas the season before, I wasn't quite as strong on the crimp, and I had to settle on my foot and drive more. And now I was just yarding on the crimp. You know? And I feel like climbing with a, a weight vest on has a similar similar result to it. Yeah, you, end, you end up transferring up weight Pulling with your arms totally differently. Yeah. It's funny. I was actually <clears> just telling you the other day I had that same experience on uh, Zookeeper, actually. Right. Because we were talking about the simulator, and I had tried it in the spring, got really close to doing it, um, and then trained a little bit over the summer and climbed. And when I came back, every single move on the whole route was 10 times easier, except for this one move that I couldn't <clears> understand, like... It went from being like, okay, it's kind of hard to just impossible. Mm-hmm. And it was because I used to have to lunge to do the move before it, and I could only barely grab a hold. And it turns out barely grabbing it was the best way to grab it um, versus if I could just suddenly lock off and like own it and grab the hold however I wanted. It completely changed my body position. Yep. It took me like five days to figure out that I was overpowering the move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's a real thing. Yeah. So back on course here mm-hmm. what do you think is the best way to avoid the the new shiny method trap um stop following sean mccall on instagram 
train in your mom's basement. <laughs> That's I've, a good way, actually. I've said this once before. I'll say it again. Lock get, yourself in there. Get rid of your friends. They're holding you back. Yeah, no friends. <clears throat> um, you know, you. I think it's good to pay attention to the shiny new things. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of watch their course because some things stick around. Like there are fads that maybe little nuggets of them like stick around and we've kept them because they work. Um, but if you are already doing something and especially if it is working and you're not getting hurt, just keep doing it. Like write down those things or even better don't. And if in four weeks you can't even remember what it was perfect. That's one less thing to worry about. (laughs) I like this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We shouldn't have friends. Yeah. Just get rid of them. Uh, number four. Um, and we, we debated how to say this one a couple of times. Um, and there's several levels to it, but it's passing judgment too soon, mm-hmm. um, based on your expectations of how the training is going to feel. I can't tell you how many times I've had people message me like day three of their training plan. I don't think it's working. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, good. Yeah. I don't know if it's working either. Yeah. You can't possibly know if it's working. <laughs> I've also had people do one session and be like, I feel so much stronger. Perfect. Like, this is what we were going for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. Good job, us. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's a common mistake of of people who haven't been training for very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit takes time. And not only that, like if you're training correctly, training makes you tired. You mm-hmm. have to recover from that. Sometimes that takes time. Like right, especially in the very beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you are doing a new type of training, like it's often you're just going to, you might feel like garbage for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I had a client recently, Kim, who we had been building strength and improving her powerful movements. And then we started to really add some power in some campus training and she did it one day and loved it. Was like, I suck at this. This is amazing. This is going to be great for me. And then a, d- two, a day later, I think a day later, she might have had one rest day. She was she went right back at the same session hmm. and was like, I feel like garbage. This session sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, you might you might need to rest a couple of extra days. Yeah. This is a new thing, and you admitted that you really sucked at it. It was really hard for you. So. Hmm. It's okay to rest a little bit extra. Yeah. No, totally. And I mean, you know, especially if you're training for a long period of time, um, I think expectations is, they're dangerous. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, especially if you're training indoors and you're not getting to climb outside much, it's hard to keep track of where you're at. um, And you see people just start to get kind of worried and they're just like, oh, I don't know, maybe I need to like ramp things up or things like that. Like, I don't know. Expectations are a funny thing. Like if like a way I like to describe it, if your expectations were put on an infomercial for four payments of 1999, like (laughs) would you still believe them? If someone was like, you're going to jump three grades in six months for only four payments of 1999. It's like, 
you'd be like, wow, you're you're full of shit. Oh, I, sh- like, I got 80 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. But like <laughs> a lot of people will have those expectations. Right. You know, like we see it all the time. Like someone will be like, hey, you know, I climb uh, 12B right now. And in three months, I want to climb 13A. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay. Like, you know, we're going to need to pump. Like we got a few steps in between. Yep. Uh, a few letters, if you will. Let's um, add a few months to your goal. Yeah. But it's tough if people have these huge expectations they will, you know, they're not going to be as consistent with their plans because yep. it's hard to take the long-term approach if you have these big, bold expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen it go sort of the other way where the expectation was this isn't going to work. So then two weeks in, they're like, this isn't working, so I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, it... <laughs> I've been working with Yasmin for a long time and and I've talked about her on here before. Hi, Yasmin. And there was a time when trying to get her to boulder was like pulling teeth. Mm -hmm. Rachel, but we won't mention her. Um, We don't name people here. (laughs) And several seasons, I would write it into her training plan. I would convince her to do it. And then like two sessions into bouldering, she would be like, oh, my endurance is gone. I have to get back on routes. Yep. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're freaking out for no reason. So. Yeah. I mean, and let's just say if you don't believe something's going to work, it's probably not going to work. Not going to work. Like the power of belief is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works both ways. Yeah. You know, I uh, work with a guy who he needed more body tension like he he's a tall guy and he can like he's a good climber but he just needs to be able to use all of his length and so that's what we've been focusing on funny enough that's a common mistake with tall people they can't use their height i know it's crazy it's just like you're a giant you need to be able to like yeah i can tell you right now if i had like close to a seven foot wingspan i would be like everyone be like that fucker over there he's skipping all the holds and i'd be like that's right i Mm -hmm. am totally um but i'm not so I can't be that guy, but I want to train other people to be that guy mm-hmm. for me. Um, so we've been working on like being more powerful, um, a lot of body tension and stuff like that. And he definitely, you know, was not voicing it directly, but I, he was, he was a bit skeptical. I mean, he's a sport climber as well. And he actually just went out this last weekend for the first time in a while and high pointed on one of his sport projects, having done almost no endurance work, like very very minimal just like base maintenance yep and like you know and he's a self-admitted like endurance guy and it's funny he got back he was just like you know i don't want to say i didn't trust you but uh he's like (laughs) i you've got all the trust in the world now because like he's like yeah i just had a great you know weekend of sport climbing having not done any endurance work um but yeah it's just like you know thankfully he had enough faith to trust me initially um but if he didn't, it's like, you know, chances, like it could have very easily gone the other way. He could have gone out and had like, you know, maybe a few bad pitches, um, while he was out climbing and be like, oh, yep. I, I didn't do my endurance work. Yep. Like it's shit. I can't like, I'm, you know, I can't do any sort of routes and he could have tanked his whole weekend because of that. Yeah. And I, I talked about this in the episode with Scott and Tyler on, um, finding good climbing partners. Mm-hmm. There was a, a moment last year when Scott 
was completely freaked out. Like someone in the gym who in the past had climbed considerably harder than Scott made a comment to him like, why are you limit bouldering? The season's almost here. You should be doing four by fours or something. Uh You know, and then Scott called me freaking out. (laughs) He had gone outside one day and his fitness didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And he was an endurance climber prior. So he was freaking out. And then two weeks later, he sent his hardest route, Mm -hmm. you know? So you can definitely just bail out really quickly if you have the wrong expectations. Yeah. You know, and training goes through waves. Like if you're going to take some time and you're like, Hey, I've got a while. I'm going to like build up some base strength first. Um, and really focus on that because it's a weakness. It's like, yeah, maybe your endurance is going to tank for a little while. Like, you know, it's not going to go to complete shit, but it's like, it may suffer for a little while Mm -hmm. while you build strength. And that's completely fine because that's not your focus in that moment. Right. And right now your strength is really suffering because all you've ever done is endurance. Yes. It's like, you know, there are things that we can't just keep improving everything all the time equally. Like that would be wonderful. I do. But, you know, this is like, it's a trade-off game. Like, and this is something that actually it took me, I think when you first start climbing, you can keep improving everything. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like you are. Yes. Yeah. Like everything is so low that you're like, I'm getting better technique and getting stronger hands and a stronger body and more endurance. And it's not until later on, like it didn't hit me till fairly, like, I don't know, I was probably had been climbing like close to 10 years before I realized it very much is a trade-off. Like mm-hmm. I had hit a point to where it's like, okay, like, I've got decent finger strength, but if I want endurance, it's hard to for me to keep my 100% in fit like a uh, finger strength and still try and build up to 100% endurance. Like right. there's going to be have to be some sort of trade-off. Yeah, it's a give and take. Yeah. Pretty much all the time. And so if you have the expectation that everything's going to keep raising like leveling up and you're not a brand new climber, like you know, you're going to be freaking out probably. Yeah, and you know how I used to avoid this Um, like when I really first started training and I started the blog, um, I just had zero expectations because I was just a guinea pig. Like Mm -hmm. I'm my own guinea pig. I'm going to put a lot of thought into what my plan looks like. And then I'm going to switch off any judgment, any expectation. I'm going to see it through and see what happens. It could totally fail. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, somehow I got lucky and never had any mega, mega, mega fails. You know, I definitely spent far too many season on seasons on endurance training, but that was really the biggest fail. And that's the only way I got through it was just not having the expectations, not passing judgment at all. And just saying, I'm going to check all the boxes because those are the boxes that are here and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah. I, I, I think it's the best way to go. Um, <clears throat> at least as far as like what I've come across. As long um, as you're putting thought into it. Initially. Initially, yeah. Yeah. On the front end. Yeah. Like I was telling you just the other day, like what I'm doing now for hand strength, like it is very simple. Like it's very simple, very straightforward. Like I know how to progress things. I mean, there's no bells and whistles to it, but it's great because I know what I'm doing every day. Mm -hmm. It's simple. I trust it. And like, I'm just going to keep doing it till it stops working because that makes sense. Yeah. Like, and it's really nice to not, at this point to be like, oh, I'm not going to worry about other hangboard methods that come out. I'm not going to worry about other ways I could be doing things because I keep getting stronger this way. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Yep. And, you know, I think for 
most people, if you can have most of your boxes, if you can check them off that way of saying like, hey, this is what I do, like, that's it. I have a system that I trust. You know, you build it at the beginning of the season or beginning of the year and just follow through and, you know, keep notes and keep track of how it's going. That's a really good way to go rather than trying to reassess constantly whether it's working or not. Yep. And that brings us right into our number three reason that people abandon their training, which is the training is just too complicated to begin with. Mm -hmm. They've just tried to add every single little thing that they've seen, heard, read about, their friends talked to them about, they dreamed up. It was on the Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss podcast. Yeah, all of all of the podcasts. They want to combine everything and make this grand combination training plan that trumps everyone else's. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work that way. You know, more often than not, simpler is better. And complicated training plans are one of the top reasons I see that people just can't continue they just get bogged down something's not working they don't know what's not working something is working they don't know what is working they're they're just falling apart because they have no clue what's going on yeah and you know i think a big thing that comes with that too is they haven't taken the time to prioritize yeah so let's say because god we see this all the time of you know they're like hey i'm gonna do six hours of mobility a week i'm gonna do you know I'm going to do an intermittent fasting ketogenic diet. I'm also going to do, I don't know if that's a thing, but. Um, Is Taco Bell included in that diet? I'm pretty sure. If it's not, it's not yeah. worth it. Um, um, but yeah, they want to have all these different things. I'm completely lost now. Oh, they, they want to have all these different things. So they're like, I need to do mobility. I need to do strength training, I need to do fingerboarding, I need to climb, I need to do my arrow cap and cap, all these different things. Right. And then you throw one wrench into their plan and it's like, hey, uh, you've got a week, like a wedding or a funeral or something you need to go to this weekend. They're like, wait, what do I cut out? Right. Because they don't know like what's most important anymore. Like to them, they just have this slew of 70 things that they have to do. Yep. They can't miss their anti-glycolytic and cap repeater session yes yeah with an oxygen deprivation mask on of course and a weight vest and a weight vest um but so the problem is they don't have priorities and so when they have to miss something they don't really know what they need to be missing and then often like they it's really easy to spiral out from there and you're yep. like well i'm you know i'm off the wagon now like you know how do i even get back on mm-hmm. or like should i versus like if you're just like oh like I have a week that I need to travel for work. Like I'm just going to make sure I get some movement in cause I just need to make sure I keep climbing and I'll do a little bit of strength work like two days a week and that'll be great. And then I can go back to my other things. Yep. But, uh, yeah, yeah man, and those complicated training plans also take a lot of freaking time. Yeah. And it's really easy to overestimate the time you'll have to spend on a training plan when you're sitting at your desk, writing your training plan or stuck in rush hour traffic on the way to work listening to this podcast, it's really, really easy to overestimate that. In reality, you probably have half of what you think you do, 
over an entire season. And you're probably only going to stick to half to three quarters of that if you're really on top of things. Yeah. So adding in all those little bitty things just doesn't make sense. And oftentimes those little things all are trying to accomplish the same one thing that you could do with one exercise. Yeah. And you don't need all 10 of those banded whatever you're doings. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm not a huge fan of oversimplification because I think like I'm not a bit, I really don't like when it's like, okay, if you could only do one thing, right. You know, what would you do? But I don't have to just do one thing. So. Exactly. Um, like I was joking around with her friend, Julie, the other day, she was like, Nate, if you could only do one core exercise, like best core exercise for climbers, what would it be? And, and I had just read an article basically making fun of like this question of if you could only do one thing. And so I like retorted back. I was like, hundred pound Turkish get up. Cause if I could do a hundred, hundred pound Turkish get up, my core is pretty much on point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is you never have to do just one of anything. Um, so oversimplification I think is a little bit going overboard, but yeah, you need to trim things down. Like what is like, how do you get the most bang for your buck? You know, cause there are, it's really easy. We'll see people be like, Oh, I need to do all this prehab for my shoulder and they will do 20 different exercises right all with the lightest bands and the pinkest of kettlebells yep and you know these one pound dumbbells and it's just like they are cute kettlebells though they're adorable yeah um but yeah so they're doing like these 30 exercises and then their shoulders are too tired to climb effectively yeah well you know and the funny thing too and something that i won't say it cracks me up because at other people's expenses and that would be terrible but the people who do you know, the thousand prehab shoulder exercises. You ever notice they never get stronger shoulders? They're the ones always injured. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't grab Gaston's. Or if it's like, it's, if it's a <laughs> right. woman, she's just like, yeah, right. I don't, uh, you know, I don't put my hair in a ponytail. Like I just do it a side ponytail. You know, it's not because I, my shoulders are so it's hurt that I can't, I can't get my arm overhead. There. Yeah. I just, I'm rocking the eighties. <laughs> I like the side ponytail. What's wrong with that? I do kind of like the side ponytail. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> So they'll have, like, it's really easy to go overboard and be like, oh, well, you know, I saw these, all these shoulder mobilizations and these activation exercises and all these. And, you know, with a lot of climbers, like, they have a uh, a strength deficit mm-hmm. more than anything. Like, yeah. Sometimes you just need to get stronger, which doesn't need to take much time. Right. Like, you can scrap, a lot of times, scrap these 15 to 20 exercises, you know, add maybe like two to three exercises and just, lift heavier weights and get stronger. And then you're probably going to be better off. Yep. Yeah, totally. I also think that it's, it's enticing for it to look complicated, you know, that means it's working. Uh, Yeah. I get a lot of clients early on, like in the first month that I'm working with them who are like, why don't we add this core session in and I could do two more of this session and, you know, can we add some of this and I'll add the things in because I know that they're not going to (laughs) happen and I'll add them in. And then two weeks later, I'm like, Oh, about that core session. Have you done that yet? No, you haven't. Cause I can see your calendar. Mm -hmm. So maybe we just take that back out of there since Mm -hmm. you're barely getting to your other sessions, you know? So just battle the enticement of complicated is better. Yeah. I don't think it's true. 
like I think a a good way to go about this is figure out what you need. You say like, okay, I need to spend like an hour projecting every day, or maybe you never do endurance, but you like sport climbing. You know, maybe you need to set aside 20 minutes every session of just doing some easy endurance work so that you have a base. So then when sport climbing season comes around, you're not going from five move wonder to try and climb a hundred foot sport climbs. But what if you're training with blood flow restriction cuffs? <sighs> On your neck? <laughs> you can only fit one, and I said cuffs, plural. Oh, you're right. Um, double down. <laughs> one um, on your waist, one on your neck. Yes. But, <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, as far as the complicated plans go, make priorities. Mm-hmm. Say, like, hey, these are, you know, these are the three things I need to get done every week. And just get that done. Like, you know, I like uh, a while ago I wrote a blog about, I think it was called uh, Too Easy to Fail. Mm-hmm. And it was about a hangboarding protocol that I used. Yep, that was one of your first. Yeah. Might have been your first. I don't uh, know. It was second. Mm. Uh, first one was actually called Start Here. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I remember making the image for that. Um, yes. Those are the days. But um, with Too Easy to Fail, I would, like my entire hangboard workout was just two hangs a day. And that was that was pretty much my goal when I would go in. I was just like, okay, I'll warm up. I'll do two hangs. Like... And then I'm going to try some crimpy boulders because my goal is to get stronger at crimps. And it was literally so easy. I couldn't not do it. It was like, it would be absurd if I was like, nah, I'm just going to skip my two hangs today. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Cause that, you, cause I, I would rest like four minutes in between or like three to four minutes. So it's like, okay, it's three and a half to four and a half minutes total. Most of that is me just standing there, like with my hands in front of a fan, Yep. like brushing holds also like, <clears throat> I'm pretty much not even doing anything for that amount of time. Like mm-hmm. how can I skip not doing anything? Um, but it worked. Yeah. Like, and that was just it. Like, so pick something, make it simple, make it so simple. You can't fail. And then once you actually manage to not fail, then you can start adding some complexity to it and add, start doing some more. Yep. I do. That does bring me to an interesting thought that I have to put out there. I do. This is a love letter to all of my clients who do this because I love you for it. Um, when they're when they know that a session is a little more than they can fit in, or their time has dropped a little bit and they can't quite get it all in, the clients who message me and say, "Hey, what are the priorities in this session?" Yep. This is what's happening with my time. What should I drop out? Thank you for doing that. That's. That's amazing. And just that instead of just saying, I don't like this part, I'm not going to do it. These drills that make me feel awkward. (laughs) I'm getting rid of those. (laughs) Yep. So thank you, clients. Yeah. Uh, You want to take a break? Yeah, sounds good. All right, break. What's up, everybody? Chris here. I'll keep this short and sweet. I just wanted to let you guys know about our new updated proven plans that are now available on the website. These are the patterns that we've seen emerge after years and years of training hundreds of climbers. The patterns that at a specific level help those climbers reach the next level. We've updated those with weekly progressions, all of the most recent ideas and concepts that have been proven to work in training for climbing, as well as new videos for every exercise and every drill that you'll do. This is all laid out for you week to week, delivered in our mobile app. 
and you can choose to work with a coach. We've just hired a new coach to work specifically with everybody in these proven plans. And you can also join a group chat that's filled with other people also doing proven plans at the same time as you. Honestly, I don't think there's a better value in training for climbing. You can check these out at powercompanyclimbing.com. Click on the train with us tab. All right, back to the show. And we are back with our uh, Mexican beers here because we just had a taco party last night and lots of beers came over. It was last night, right? It was. I was checking to see if it was Taco Tuesday, but it was Taco Monday. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was. Taco Monday, Mexican Monday. Mexican Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was amazing. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the top five reasons why people, that's you, your people, abandon their training. And our number two reason is that people set the wrong kind of goals. Yeah. In the beginning of their training. Bad goals. And there's all sorts of ways you can go wrong. We've talked about it on the podcast, how to set goals. But one of the big ones I see is that their goals aren't specific. Mm-hmm. Whenever I have a client coming in who says, I just want to get better. I knew that I knew that is exactly what you were going to say. Yes. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Well, I want to move better. I want to climb harder. I want to feel stronger. Like, well, is there something that represents that? Is there a route you would love to climb, a boulder you would love to climb? Are there, even is there just a grade you would love to get to, you know? Give me something that's a little more specific than this, I just want to be better goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you don't set that, it's really hard to focus in on what you're doing and have a clear reason as to why you're doing it. Totally. Yeah, and I mean... uh you know, I think some people can feel when they're climbing better. Some people can't, which that's totally true, which kind of blows me away sometimes. Cause there's times where I'll cl- be climbing next to someone. I'm just like, Oh Jesus, you are just tearing holds off the wall right mm-hmm. now. Um, but unless they have some sort of objective truth that they are climbing harder then yep. to them, they're just like, I don't know. Is it working? Like, right. It's like, I feel I just know. the same as I always did. And everyone around them is like, oh gosh. Yeah. He's crushing. Totally. Uh, but then there's another thing too where, you know, maybe your method of the way you view your climbing of like, oh, I feel like light and snappy. Like maybe you are feeling snappier, but you're losing like finger strength or you're losing like technique yeah, because you're point. always climbing mm-hmm. like by being super like bouncy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of like, feeding the thing that you're using to gauge whether or not you're getting better. Yep. Um, but yeah, bad goals. You know, I think one that, um, hits, hits home for me for sure is, uh, not setting goals that are connected to you emotionally. Mm -hmm. So setting goals that you're like, okay, on paper, this is a very good logical goal and it'll take me to the next step. Right. But it's like, I have no real attachment to Mm -hmm. it. Like I need a goal that, the kind of thing that like when you're in bed, like about to go to sleep, like you're like running beta through your head on that route, like things like that. Like the kind of things that like, I have a woman I train who, um, she's just now bouldering for the first time ever. And I was, she was just like, you know, I don't understand how to get psyched on bouldering. She's only bouldering in the gym because she wants to keep support climbing outside. And I was like, 
you need to figure out how to get like just as psyched on indoor boulders as you can for your outdoor routes. Absolutely. Um, Because if you can do that, you are in a good place. You're going to be trying hard. And then they're going to take it down and you're going to cry about it. Yeah. No, she's on the moon board. We're fine. Um, (laughs) Good. That's uh, a good plan. She was just like, no, you don't understand. I stay, she was like, routes keep me up at night. Like I have trouble Mm. sleeping because of the the beta sometimes and like Mm -hmm. rehearsing them. Um, But that's just it. Like if you have something like that, um, it's amazing. Yeah. Like that's the kind of thing that you can, if you have that kind of motivation, you can do. If you have the why, like, you know, the how is easy. Yeah. I've been, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about goals the last few weeks and, and I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag just yet, but I started thinking about bouldering goals and what I wanted to do bouldering wise. And since those initial conversations, I've been watching videos in bed nearly every night. Oh man. Like, Annalise will still be in the bathroom brushing her teeth and I'm like Googling things on, on my phone to try to watch beta videos or just get stoked on different boulders. Yeah, you know? no, I've noticed you've been <clears throat> wanting to chat about boulders and certain ones more specifically lately. It's been yeah. getting me psyched just to see. I'm already what... jumping over my route goals into bouldering season. I'm doing the exact same. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to the new mm-hmm. and some other stuff. But mm-hmm. about bouldering in Arkansas. Yeah. Yep. Well, you you mentioned something when we were kind of pre-gaming this episode um, that I hadn't really thought about in terms of bad goals, but it can be kind of dangerous to set a really big, lofty goal, particularly if you're someone who gets intimidated by those things. And and that's easy to do uh, for anybody. But I've seen it before and I hadn't really connected it until you said it that someone will set this big giant goal and they'll start working toward that goal and then when the season is almost there they're like I'm not quite ready mm-hmm. I don't think I'm there yet so they bail on that goal abandon the rest of their training and go shoot for some much easier goal that's going to take them a week instead of three seasons yeah you know, so I think that's pretty common getting intimidated by the wrong goal that you made. Yeah. And it's tough because I mean, that is, you know, if you read any goal setting literature, it'll say set big, audacious, intimidating goals. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but you know, you have to have, like, if that is your only goal is like this one that's way out there, like that's hard. Yeah, that's a long, ambiguous road to travel without mm-hmm. little goals in between. Yeah. And sometimes, like, more often than not, like, I mean, sometimes it's just intimidating, too, because, you know, if I'm six months out from a goal, it's easy for me to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to put my head down, do the work. And, you know, you hit four months, and you're like, yeah, okay, things are going good. And then, you know, you hit two months, and you're like, oh, things are getting close, okay. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly when it's around the corner, you're like, I don't know, am I am I ready? Like, I've been like getting ready for it, but I'm not really sure anymore. And suddenly it's really easy to have these doubts. And if you don't like put yourself out there, you may never know. Yep. Um, and all so, of a sudden you're not training for that anymore. You're training yeah. for something else. And we see that all the time with people <clears throat> who like maybe they set this big goal and they let themselves and in, get intimidated by it when they didn't even need to. Yep. Um, but 
Yeah. Yeah. I think goal setting is an art really. And kind of a, kind of a scary art for a lot of us, you know? Um, and again, I'll just say, we've talked about this before on the podcast and you should go back and listen to that episode. Um, it was around new years yeah. that we talked about it. We were in Knoxville, I think. And, and it's, you know, it's different for everybody. There's research showing that, that putting your goals out there, it makes you less likely to reach them. There's also research saying that not putting your goals out there makes it less likely that you'll reach them. Yeah. So what the hell is a person to do? Yeah. You know, so, you know, and it, <clears throat> it's tough too, because making lists are fun. Super fun. Like it's a ton of fun to be like, I'm going to do all these things this year. I just um, made checklists for the, the Drew Mac podcast today. Nice. Downloadable PDF checklists for people. Boom. With Drew's picture on them. Yeah, it's going to be oh, perfect. <laughs> Please tell me you have different photos of him while he was climbing the different grade ranges. <laughs> I wish I did. God, that would be amazing. I wish. This is the 512 <laughs> Drew list. Um, yeah, like making lists are a ton of fun and it's fun like dr- dreaming big audacious dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, sometimes you need to just take it one step at a time. Yeah. And so setting these bad goals, you know, and bad is like, kind of a loaded term, but yeah, setting totally. these goals that aren't appropriate for you at the moment, mm-hmm. um, they can sabotage you. Yep. Yeah. And I, I like that you just brought up kind of writing them down and having a checklist because I mean, you've, you've seen this going on here in the last few weeks. Um, Annalisa had a big goal that she wanted to reach and I'm like, whoa, whoa, let's, let's slow down and look at things. Let's write out what we have done know in this past season or so Mm. past couple of seasons and i wrote it out in pyramid form and and showed her like if we filled these in it would be a lot easier to reach this grade that you're afraid of and then we'll get through that grade and then we can be on to your big goal Mm -hmm. you know but we have to get through this area where you're a little scared first and she and i were talking about it and then Another of our friends saw it and was like, I want a pyramid. And yeah. uh, she's all about the pyramid. And Annalisa, every day we come back from climbing, she's like, where's my pyramid? I need to fill it in. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is cool. You know, having all these goals that are appropriate and lead up to this bigger goal makes it so that she's not abandoning that whole plan and mm-hmm. she's sticking with it. So it's cool to have it on paper. Yeah. Yeah, that brings us to our number one reason why people abandon their training. And when we, when this one came up, this was actually Annalisa sitting in the room and saying, well, here's the reason. (laughs) And both of us were like, that's too simple. That can't be. But we decided that it really is probably the top reason people abandon their training. Yeah. And that's that it's just not that fun. And a lot of you listening will be like, you people are crazy. Training is so much fun. And I agree with you, but there are parts of it that aren't that fun. And if you abandon those, then you're abandoning it. Yeah. Like I honestly believe if there are some forms of training, if you're doing them correctly, they suck. They're awful. Oh yeah. Like repeaters on a hangboard. If you're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go do some repeaters and it'll be great. It's like, no, you're, you were doing them wrong. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, this is, it's a classic thing with like the uh, Rock Prodigy pro- program. If you can stick with it, that is wonderful, and you are better than I am. You are dedicated. Yeah, it like because that's just it. It's like the amount of work it takes, like to do that many sets of repeaters, and repeaters fucking suck, man. Like if you're doing them correctly and you are loading them heavy and you are trying hard, which you need to be if you want to get better. It's like it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Like I, my hats off to anyone who like can consistently go through those protocols because they are heinous. Yep, totally. Um, I feel like BJ just stuck around in the gym yesterday just to watch me suffer on that last set of (laughs) Campus Punks. That's true. Because he knew I was hating it, and then it sucked. So he just stood there watching, Mm -hmm. and I know that's why. But yeah, I mean, there, there are parts of training and parts of preparation that aren't fun. Like, this isn't, I don't know, this isn't going to a theme park. Like, you know, no other sport ever that I can think of at least is all the training and all the preparation that you do just a ton of fun. Otherwise everyone would be Olympians. Right. Like there's a reason the elite are elite. It's because they're doing like, they're doing the work that most people don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're specifically targeting weaknesses, that makes people feel bad. Feel, they feel bad about their climbing. Hurts my feelings. Their egos get crushed. Um, you know, if you climb V8 cramps and V4 slopers, which I feel like is a fairly common problem, mm-hmm. and you're being forced into climbing slopers for half your night, then your ego gets crushed, you know, and people pretty quickly abandon ship and go right to all the crampy problems that they can. Yeah. You know, let me back on the moon board, please, because that's what I'm good at. And, you know, I, you should be spending some time working on your strengths, but working your weaknesses sucks and it's going to make you better. Yeah, no, totally. And, it, you, you know, I think one of the biggest things, and I, this may have been Dave McLeod. I mean, he said a lot of good things, so I'll go ahead and give it to him either way. But he, I believe at one point he talked about how great climbers are the people who learn to love the struggle. Mm-hmm. when they find like, oh, I'm terrible at this. Like I need to put all my time into this because <clears throat> this is what's going to make me better. Or like they just get to the point to where they love struggling and they can like get into that zone. Those are the people that are, that are going to improve. Yep. Like the fastest. Yep, totally. Yeah, and you know, I used to think of that as some sort of abstract, almost artistic way to look at it. But after my conversation with Trevor Reagan and him talking about how scientists approach their experiments, good Mm -hmm. scientists approach their experiments when they see those problems, when they're like, Oh, this didn't work. And I thought it was going to, or this was really difficult and I thought it was going to be easy. They approach that. Like, here's a great learning opportunity for me. Yeah. Like this is something I didn't expect now I get to gain new knowledge, new skills, whatever, by going down this path, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that's a really great way to approach things. Totally. Um, and there's, there's also the, 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 the fun part of going in and training. I, I really love going into the gym and just climbing with a bunch of people and having fun and trying the problems everyone else is trying and 
and that's great. Like climbing gyms are super fun because of that. But when it's training time, I will buckle down, stop talking to people. You know, I'll, my sentences become shorter. I smile less. A lot of no's in there. I just don't deal with people. And I'm not saying you have to do that. Maybe you're better at balancing it than I am. But, but hanging out with your friends, talking to your friends, doing what your friends are doing is fun. And it's also probably tanking your training and is going to cause you to abandon it two weeks from now if you're mm-hmm. concerned about what they're doing. Yeah. You know, in, if you're like, hey, climbing is my social time, like this is what I do outside of work or other things, and this is when I get to hang out with people, get them to train with you. Totally. Like, I mean, this is something that like I tell people all the time that I'm working with. Like, you know, if your partner's, if you're always trying to deal with balancing what your partners want to do versus what you want to do, it's like try and get them to train with you. Like a lot of times people will, it's much more fun to do it with someone else. It's Mm -hmm. easier to convince someone else to do it with you. And then you're on the same plan. It's perfect. Like, and then it is a lot of like, it's a lot more fun when you get to do things with other people. Yep. Totally. Um, But yeah. And you know, things not being fun, like, or as far as working your weaknesses can show in a lot of ways. It doesn't have to be just, you're bad at slopers or, you know, you're bad at big moves. Like honestly for sport climbers, something I see all the time is they don't see trying a hard project, like something that will take them four and five days. They don't see that as beneficial. They'll be right. like, I just a spent hard boulder project, a hard boulder project. Yeah. They'll be like, I just spent 20 minutes trying a move. Like I feel like I didn't even climb today. Right. It's like, well, you probably learned more from that than from going and doing just a bunch of easy repeat pitches, like for volume, like yep. you gain more out of this. It's like, if you allow it to teach you more, mm-hmm. um, but it, you know, it can be tough. Like, cause for a lot of people that's just isn't fun. That's not why they got into rock climbing. Um, so, you know, you need to learn how to strike a balance between what's going to work and what are you actually enjoying? Like, what are you going to be able to do consistently? Cause I mean, I can write up you know, a plan that's going to be amazing and it's going to be wonderful and it's going to work great and it's going to be the best case scenario. The problem is most times, most people won't end up doing that because just it's heinous. Yep. Yep. I mean, I think it all comes down to, do you enjoy, do you have fun improving? I do personally. I like getting better and I've done this enough that I know that the struggle is part of that and that finding things I'm bad at is part of that. Um, so for me, those things that may not be fun end up being really fun. Um, and I think you'll, you'll run into that if you do this long enough. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it definitely takes time. Yeah. It can be really frustrating at first. Yeah. Frustrating. Uh, so you want to you want to go back over those? Yeah. Our top five reasons why people abandon their training. So top five reasons for why people abandon their training. Number five, new training things, new training ideas, plans, Bright things from the shiny media, new methods. Yeah, shiny new toy. Number four, passing judgment on it too early or having high expectations. Mm-hmm. Number three. It's too complicated. Got to do all the things. Number two, having bad goals. 
And finally, number one, it's not fun. It's not that fun, man. It's just not that fun. Yeah. Getting better sucks. It's the worst. All right. All you guys out there know exactly where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com. If you have not signed up yet and subscribed to our newsletter, The Current, you should do that. Nate's been killing the game over there on the newsletter front. Um, We've got new products coming out, so check out the web shop. By the time this podcast is out, they'll probably be in there. They might already be sold out. You might be out of luck. You can also find us on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, and the Pinterest at Power Company Climbing. And you can check for us on the Twitter, check two or three times if you want to, but you will not find us there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.